So many great things have happened, are happening, and will continue to happen. As we believe with God, there are no limits of his power in our lives. He's a supernatural God. He must be believed in a supernatural way. So we say here at College Park, if you come in this place with no expectation of the supernatural, then you have reduced God to a man. Is God a man? Is God a man? The Bible says he is not a man that he would lie. He is a supernatural being wanting to do supernatural things in the midst of his people who will believe and hunger and thirst after him. He wants to do supernatural works in your family. He wants to do a supernatural work in your life. He wants to do a supernatural work in your workplace. That is the desire of our God. He doesn't just want to produce natural things and natural results. He is above and he is beyond. He is greater than any natural thing that we can ever experience in the natural place called earth. He is great. Shout, my God is greater and he is supernatural. Because of him, I can expect supernatural things in my life, in the now. Give God a praise, church. Amen. 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 Uh, thank you, Dwayne. Can you let the worship team know we love them this morning? Aren't they, aren't they amazing? The ladies look beautiful. The men look handsome. And my God, their spirit, I love it. It's amazing. I love Pastor Chad and everything that he does um, on the service of God in this church. Can we let Pastor Chad know we love him right now? Our worship pastor. He's amazing. His work ethic, his heart, his spirit. Um, this Sunday has, or this week leading up to this message, has probably been the, man, maybe the greatest struggle of my life in preparing a message. Um, it's probably the most stressed I've been, emotionally stressed. I've been physically. Um, like some of you heard, my wife last week, she was rushed to the ER. Um, I'll just be honest with you. I was telling, I told three people, I'll just, I might as well just be transparent with all of you. I thought she was going to die. I mean, that's how scared I was. Um, she suffered the worst pain I've ever seen her experience um, with tears just drooling down her eyes, body contorting because she couldn't take care of the pain. And there I am driving down um, there in Myrtle Beach trying to find a hospital just in tears. God, don't let my wife die. And since then, um, we, were just, we were in the hospital waiting forever. Um, I can't remember how long, six hours, eight hours time, just seemed like it was eternity. And I'm like, God, just, we believe for signs, wonders, and miracles. We believe for the best. So they, they do an EKG, they find nothing. They do a CAT scan, they find nothing. They took it, not an MRI, on ultrasound, and they found, well, you have a lot of fluid in your pelvis. Come to find out she had a ovarian cyst that ruptured. And because of that, they couldn't believe that she experienced that for two days. It didn't come in sooner. Um, so I asked, so the, do they need to take, uh, do surgery? You know, um, do we need to stay here overnight? They said, no. You can actually go home. All you need is rest. <laughs> that is our God. That is our God. You know? I mean, it gets real. I mean, I was talking to Chad Brown. Um, he was playing the, uh, the guitar here. He's like, man, it gets real real quick, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You know? 
How many of you have ever been strong on the Lord, but in a quick moment, man, you feared? You feared in the moment. Man, come on now. All of us should be raising our hands. We are all weak people. The flesh is weak, but the Bible says the spirit is what? The flesh is weak, but the spirit is what? God wants to be your strength. In fact, Scripture says, in my weakness, he is what? (laughs) Isn't that powerful? That in our weakest moments, we can find God to be his strongest. So I just want to speak life to that woman, life to that man, that you might find yourself in a weak moment emotionally, in a weak moment spiritually, in a weak moment physically. But God says, you are about to see my strength right now. If you will just stand. When you've done all you know, just stand. Don't allow your mouth to speak curses. Don't allow your mind to think idle things. Stand and watch the salvation of the Lord come into your life this morning. Can somebody give God praise for those who are struggling, but will find life in Jesus this morning? This Sunday's um, Easter message is not going to be like any other message I've ever preached. Probably not like any other message I've ever heard. Um, To be honest with you, um, I've really struggled. Um, Pastor Dylan came to my office. He's like, how are you doing? I'm like, man, my heart's heavy, man. My heart's so heavy right now because of the word that God's given me and won't let me retreat from it. But I'm going to give it to you anyways, Okay. I hope you're taking notes this morning. The last few Sundays, we have just been diving into Scripture because of this one main thing. I want you to know God's Word for yourself. Okay, only two people want to know God in this place for themselves. Everybody wants to know God through another man. Everybody wants to know God through another denomination. Other people want to know God through other people. I want to know God for myself. Amen. I want to experience God for myself. I want to have a personal encounter with the presence of God, myself. Is there anybody out there? Well, Romans says, you want to be transformed? Then renew your mind. The thing that is causing you to not be transformed in the power of God, the thing that's causing you not to be renewed in the supernatural is because your mind is twisted. Your mind has, is backwards thinking. You have had all this theology, all this ideology, all this wrong doctrine that's been taught to you over the years. And God says, I got to renew you. I got to change you. I got to come down just like he did from heaven to earth and say, you've heard it said, but I say, I know they taught it this way, but this is what it's supposed to be. I know you see them do it this way, but this is how it's supposed to be exemplified here on earth. Renew your mind through the spirit of the living God this morning. And one of the things that God has been renewing my mind in is the Easter message. My entire life, you know, the whole Easter message has been centered around the cross. Every time Easter comes, we sing about the cross and we preach about the cross and we have crosses, um, at least when I grew up, all over the place where people um, do plays and people do dramas and people just do all sorts of things in order to exemplify. And and what I'm about to say is going to be really hard to take here, but I will show you scripture. So someone just say to your neighbor, take a deep breath. He's going to guide you through scripture. The purpose of Jesus was not solely to give the message of the cross. The message of Jesus 
was to establish his kingdom on earth. We as Christians have made the cross the end all. The cross is a means to an end. It is the starting point to which you and I receive salvation, to which you and I become inherit, be able to receive our inheritance, where we become sons and daughters because of the blood that washes away our sin. But the cross was never to be the focal message of Jesus Christ. It was to establish his kingdom on earth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 through 33, Jesus is speaking. Jesus is talking, and in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 through 33, this is what it says. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He's talking about don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry where you're going to live. Don't worry about all that kind of stuff. That's what pagans do. How am I going to pay this bill? And how am I going to get close for my kids? And how am I going to be able to go on vacation? Pagans think like this. But he says, you know what? Your father knows what you need. Verse 33. This is what Jesus says. But seek first his what? Does it say seek his grace? Does it say seek his cross? Does it say seek his blood? What does it say to seek first? And his, and all these things will what? How many of you want things added to your life? Then seek his kingdom. Seek his righteousness. And everything that you have ever desired in your mind will shift and change and come under alignment with heaven. And heaven will be the thing that provides for every one of your needs. The reason why so many people are lacking is because we are not seeking his kingdom. The reason why a lot of us are not experiencing the supernatural is because we are seeking the natural. We're seeking how are we going to live. We're seeking what we're going to wear. Like some of us this morning, I don't know what I'm going to wear for Easter. Can you believe my wife gave me the task to pick the Easter clothes for my kids? Can you believe that? And you know when she told me to buy the clothes on? A stinking Saturday. Friday, I went to Ross and TJ Maxx. I couldn't find one button-up shirt in a size 7 for my boys. Not one! Went to Ross, went to TJ Maxx, went to Target. I went to every store, and then, God forbid, somebody in our church would say, why didn't you go to Old Navy? They had a lot. Because if they're cheap. I thought they would be the first ones everything's taken. So many of us seek so many things. And we find ourselves constantly lacking. And the reason why is because we're seeking the wrong things and not the kingdom. Let's continue. Matthew chapter 10 verse 7 says this. As you go, proclaim this message. Shout this message. Why does he say this message? Because he recognizes you will be tempted to preach other messages. This is the message I've called you to preach. This is the message that I've called you to exemplify. This is the message that I, Mark, that I want you to give 2018 to College Park Church and to all those listening online. The kingdom of heaven has come near. He, would knew, he knew that most people would focus on grace, and there's nothing wrong with grace. It needs to be preached. 
He knew a lot of people would talk about prosperity, but there's nothing, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with prosperity. The main message that he has come to establish and that he has called us to preach is his kingdom. You don't want to know something crazy about Jesus' message? Read the four Gospels. Watch the things that Jesus preached. Do you recognize that he never gave a message to the 5,000 about repentance? But he always talked about the kingdom. In fact, one of the main messages about repentance when it comes to Jesus is when he's talking to Nicodemus. One person, not 5,000. And it's about, I think, I can't remember if it was 1 or 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. He was a religious guy asking. In fact, Jesus didn't even plan to talk or teach him. Because the only reason why he preached it and taught him is because he asked of him, how must I be born again? And then Jesus explained. But when you look at all the messages while Jesus was on earth that he taught, that he preached, you know what it was all about? The kingdom. For the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. For the kingdom of heaven is like a, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven. Someone shout the kingdom of heaven. If that was the main message of Jesus, should not be the main message for us. And yet so many Christians have no idea what the kingdom is all about. Nor do we know how a kingdom is ran. See, in the Western world, we have an issue when it comes to kingdoms. Because we live in a democracy. And in the church, we build all over cities and states, communities. Unfortunately, if you live your entire life based on a democracy or a community and try to live under a king, you will always be frustrated because the two don't coincide with one another. Because here's the thing about a democracy. When it comes to democracy, all opinions have value. In a democracy, the loudest or the strongest majority wins. In a kingdom, there's only one voice. There's only one opinion. There's only one standard, and that is whatever the king says. The Bible says that he is the king of kings, and what? He's not a president. He's not the president of a PTA. He's not a president of the United States. He's not a prime minister of some nation. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and he has come down to establish a kingdom here on earth. And he says, this is what you need to know. You need to know, and you need to seek, and you need to pursue above all else the kingdom of God. That is why in America we are so twisted in our thinking. That's why people in other nations are sending missionaries to our continent, to our states. It's because they are experiencing revival and the supernatural that we're not. Why? Because we want to bring our opinions like we do in a democracy and bring them before the king and debate. And God says, that's not how a kingdom works. Someone shout, that's not how a kingdom works. The message of the Bible is about a king, a kingdom, and a king's family. you got to understand this, because if not, you'll go your entire life thinking that you are less than when you are more than. You'll start thinking that you're just a pauper when God says you're a son and you're a daughter. You'll start thinking that you are a slave when God says, no, you are a son. Everything that I have, son, is yours. Now go and take heed of all that I've given you. How many of you, how many sons and daughters do we have in the house? Make some noise. 
how many people that we believe that every heavenly blessing is ours, then why isn't it that we aren't taking authority in the name of Jesus? The message of the Bible is about a king, a kingdom, a king's family. Not only is it about a king, a kingdom, and a king's family, but like all kingdoms, it's about kingdom expansion. One of the biggest questions I had when I was growing up in, my, in the faith, growing up as a Christian, especially in my younger years, God, why did you come in the time period that you came? Why didn't you come during the Babylonians while Israel was enslaved for God knows hundreds of years? Why didn't you come when the, Assyr when the Assyrians took over Israel? Why didn't you come when Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar took over? Why didn't you come during the days of Daniel? Why didn't you come during the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Why didn't you come during the days of Noah? Why didn't you come and establish your kingdom there? Why did you wait 4,000 years ago to establish your kingdom in the New Testament? And the Holy Spirit revealed to me because there was no kingdom that could connect to the way the kingdom of God is supposed to work on earth. You see, and the Holy Spirit was just guiding me through Scripture. You see, during the times of the, the Assyrian kingdom, during the times of the Babylonian kingdom, you know what they would do when they would destroy nations and when they would take over? They would take the women, they would kill the strongest men, take their kids and bring them back to their culture and make them learn and live like them. They would take people from where they live, force them to come into their culture and be just like them. You got to talk like this, look like this, be like this. But the Holy Spirit brought me to the New Testament when it came to the Roman kingdom. There has never been a kingdom like the Roman kingdom since that time or since the history of the age. The Roman kingdom spanned Africa all the way to Scotland. There has been no kingdom that has been as large as the Roman kingdom in the history of the world, at least in the natural. And here's what blows my mind when it comes to, Rome, to the Roman culture. Roman culture when they would take and they would destroy a nation, they didn't operate like these Assyrians. They didn't operate like the Babylonians. They didn't operate like all the other kingdoms of the past. You know how they took over? Instead of taking the, their people, their smartest people, the wisest people, the youngest people, and bringing them into Rome, you know what they would do? They would establish their culture within that city. Oh, my God, this is good stuff right here. Instead of bringing them to their city, let me say it this way. Instead of bringing them, these sinners, these, these pagans, to their church, they would establish their own place in the community, in that culture on earth. And that is when God said, now is the time that I will send my son and let them know how a real kingdom is supposed to be established here on earth. Because my desire is not for people, the church, to just bring people into the church and make them look like you, dress like you, smell like you. My goal, my desire as the King of kings and Lord of lords, like it is with Rome, for you to establish ecclesias, to be established governments, to be able to establish culture, to be able to establish a code of morals in the cities all around the earth. That's why he said, go into Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Don't bring them to the local church. Do you get this? He said, I've come to establish a kingdom. 
I've come to establish this way of life in my church. You know what? I, one of the things that the Holy Spirit was showing me in Scripture is that light. Someone shot light. The Bible says you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You know the thing about light? Where does light have its greatest impact? But you realize that I can have the brightest light in my hand right now, but if you were to turn on every one of these lights, open up all the windows, open up all the sunlights that we have painted and spray-painted black up in the ceiling, y'all are like, you have sunlights? Yeah, we used to have sunlights. That that bright light would just fade because of all the other light. Light was never meant to shine where there's other light. Light was meant to shine in the darkness. Light was meant to shine in our city. Light was meant to shine in your job. Light was meant to shine where there are unbelievers, where there are people who are not saved, where they need light. And God said, I've called you to be light and to establish my kingdom. Just like the message of the Bible is about a king, a kingdom, a king's family. It's about kingdom expansion. The message of the Bible is about a kingdom that was lost, but a kingdom regained, a kingdom restored, and a kingdom reestablished. The message of the Bible is not about a religion, and it's not about a community. The message of the Bible is about a kingdom. Someone shout kingdom. Psalms chapter 45, verse 6 through 7. Psalms chapter 45, verses 6 through 7. You have that, Chris? Next scripture, for those of you who are writing notes, Psalms 103, 19 through 20, and then Psalms 145, verse 13. Psalms 45, 6 through 7 says this. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions, above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Psalms 103, 19, verses 20, it says this. Psalms 103, 19, verse 20 says this. The Lord has established his what? Democracy? Community? His what? His throne in heaven. And his democracy? His community? His PTA? His kingdom rules over all. Psalms 145, 13. Psalms 145, 13, it says this. Psalms 145, 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures through all generations. What did God come to establish? What did God come to establish? I can't hear you. What did God come to establish? Boy, that messes up, that messes up the, Western, the Western world. Because we lived our entire life in a democracy. We lived our entire life based on the majority when it comes to the opinions of a group in the community. And God says, that's not how I operate with my scepter, with my power, with my authority. I operate as king of kings and lord of lords. I have come to reign on earth. The question I want to ask you this morning, who is ruling and reigning 
over you? Who is making decisions over your life? Because here's the thing about a king, when a king speaks, a lot of times you're not going to like it. Because it goes against everything that you think that you are and that you can achieve and that you can actually become. Because a king's ultimate goal is this. His ultimate goal is to be able to take territory. Shout territory. The components of a kingdom are this. Territory, language, laws, symbols, constitution, moral code, shared values, customs, social norms, and someone shout culture. That is the components of a kingdom. The components of a kingdom that God came to establish, reestablish, build up, organize. He came to take and occupy all streets and all territories. If a kingdom is not taking territory, it's no longer a kingdom. For a kingdom is known for its strength by how much land it possesses and owns. owns. If you don't own land, then you don't have a kingdom. If you're not taking territory, you're not a king's son or king's kid. Because one of the greatest examples of what it means to have a kingdom is territory. It's land. And God has positioned you in your workplace, in your families, in pagan places to be able to rule and reign and to occupy that area that he has positioned you in this land. Amen. He's called for you to occupy your house. He's he's, He's called you to be able to change the language of that place. He's called you to establish laws, symbols. He's called you to reestablish a constitution. He has called you to a new moral code that has been set by the king. See, the old culture back then, the old moral code back then was this, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's what they were, that's what they were used to. But Jesus says, I've come to establish a new moral code. I've come to establish a new culture. You've heard it said by that culture, if you commit adultery, you sin. I said, if you even look at a woman and you want to do something with her, you've already sinned in your heart. That's kingdom culture. You've heard it said by that culture, thou shalt not murder. But you know how my, my, my kingdom culture operates? If you even think in your mind, I want to hurt him, I want to kill him. You've already sinned in your heart. That's kingdom culture. You know what kingdom culture is? Kingdom culture says love your enemy. When the world's culture says, whatever they do to you, do to them back. Seek revenge. Now that's hard, but that's the kingdom culture Jesus exemplified. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. While you hated God, God loved you. While you were spitting on God, God said, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is kingdom culture that he came to establish here on earth. The devil's devil's okay that you sing about the cross. He's okay that you come and raise your hands about the blood. He's fine as long as you do all that. But one thing he hopes that you never get to is when you understand the kingdom culture. The Bible talks about that the kingdom is like this. It's like yeast. It's It's like seed. Someone shout yeast. Someone shout seed. Matthew chapter 13, verses 11 through 13 says this. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. 
Whoever has will be given more, and they will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. What is he saying here? He's saying, you know what? To those who really want me, they will find me. And to those who have no interest in me, I will hide myself from them. That's why so many people can't understand the supernatural because they have no desire to learn. They have no desire to grow. I don't need that. And God says, then I will hide you from that. People talk about, well, I don't know about that, you know, that thing. God says, I will hide you from that thing. In other words, this is what God says. God will only tell you what you really want to know. And God will only show you what you really want to see. If you have no interest in God, he hides himself from you. I understand he's omnipresent. I understand he's everywhere, right? Isn't that what scripture says? So, Pastor Mark, how can you say that he'll hide himself from you? Jeremiah 29, 13. Read it for yourself. If you seek me, you will what? So if you don't seek him, the opposite is true. You won't find him. If you don't seek the supernatural, you won't find the supernatural. If you don't seek the gifts of the Spirit, you won't find the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't seek healing, you won't find healing. If you don't seek speaking in tongues, you won't find speaking in tongues. If you don't seek signs, wonders, and miracles, you won't find signs, wonders, and miracles. But if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. How many of you have ever found God to be true to his word? How many of you have ever found God to be to be able to bless you and make you full to where you will overflow in his goodness, his greatness, and in his power. There is nothing like God filling you. But he will only fill you if he sees you seeking after him. How do I know people seek him? I know how people seek him through how they pray. I know how people seek him through how they praise. Because I'm going to dip into next week's message you cannot experience the presence of God without praise. Point blank. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with what? A sour, a, a sour look, cross hands, a closed mouth. Can you praise with a closed mouth? He says, in other words, you need to open your mouth and tell me you love me. You need to open your mouth and tell me how much you adore me. You need to open your mouth and let me see how willing you are for your life to be totally surrendered to me. And now in the current church, we just sit there passively. I don't know about that song. and I don't know about that word. But you never go out to seek it yourself when you leave this church. You never leave this place in order to see your life changed and renewed in your mind. And you wonder why. You are lacking because you have a form of godliness but deny the power. How? Because when God's presence shows up, his power is produced. When God's presence shows up, his power will renew you. It will reshape you. It will strengthen you. And in the power of God, you will run and not be weary. He will mount you on the ends of eagles. He will restore your strength but only to those who seek him with all their heart. 
As long as you sit there and you allow somebody else to be the means for you to be able to grow, as long as you allow some podcast and some TV evangelist to be the source of your life, you will never grow unless you, someone shout me. As, as long as you allow some person or something you will never grow. But when you get to a place where you say, God, enough's enough. I want to encounter you all for myself. I want to experience you all for myself. I want to know you and know your heart. He says, you will find me. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Ask and it shall be given unto you. God says, what man, if he asks his father for whatever, will give him a snake? God's, not gonna, God's desire is not to withhold himself from you, but he will withhold himself from you if you withhold it yourself from him. That is the word of God for us today. And so what happens is, instead of seeking the kingdom, we start seeking other messages. And so you have people operating in just prosperity. And you have other preachers who are operating just in grace. And you have other preachers who are operating just in faith. And God says, oh, I want you to operate in everything. <laughs> nothing missing and nothing lacking in Jesus' name. Amen. I said amen. He wants his children to be blessed beyond measure. He wants his children to be prosperous in all they do. His word says, wherever your feet touch, I want to give it to you. Whatever your hands touch, his word says, I want you to prosper. That is God's desire and design for his children. That's signed, sealed, and delivered for his inheritance. Amen. And so, Jeremiah 29 tells us, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8 tells us, if you really want to know me, I'll show myself. But if you don't want to know me, I'll hide myself from you. And so here we go as we close. As we close. As the worship team comes. Today is just going to be a really short message because I want there to be enough time for prayer, laying on hands, signs, wonders, and miracles this morning. God is wanting to set people free to those who will believe. God is going to set people from anxiety and depression. God is going to set people from a lack of identity. And God is about to establish his kingdom in your mind, his kingdom in your heart. People of faith, come on, shout amen. Stir up this room with me. God is going to establish his rule and reign in this house this morning to those, and this is all he asks you, to those who will believe, to those who will believe. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. I love this. How many of you have ever worked with yeast? It just takes what? Just a little bit. I love this parable. I've always talked about the parables before and after, but I've never really focused on this parable until this week. This week, I isolated myself from almost everyone. I was in a dark place, and I knew that if I connected with people, my flesh would speak, curses would speak, and I was like, i got to isolate myself for a moment with God. Just God. I knew that the, I was in a weak spot in the natural and knew that the only way that I can get strength is if I get close to him. And the Holy Spirit spoke this word to me this week 
in my alone time. While I was angry and while I was frustrated, but I had this desire, I need you. Because God, if I don't get you cut, I'm going to lose you because I'm about to lose my mind. And God said, Mark, all you need is a little yeast. You allow a little yeast to get into that dough, it will affect the whole entire batch. You know what I love about dough and yeast? Once a little yeast gets into the dough, you can't extract it out. You can't take it out. It's affected forever. I started, I started just writing stuff down about yeast. <laughs> Some of it might not make sense to you, but it made sense to me in the moment as I'm just sitting there in my room. Yeast, it's not afraid. Dough is always bigger than yeast. Yeast in its small form looks what? Helpless. <laughs> yeast never makes noise. Yeast, this is what I love, and this is where the Holy Spirit wrecked me. It grows under the pressure of heat. Come on, somebody. How many of you have been under heat? How many of you experienced some pressure? God is about to move in your life this morning. God put you in that job, you and your little bit of talent, you and your little bit of faith, you with your little bit of courage, you with your little bit of passion to affect the entire place to the power of our God. Why? Because he wants to establish his kingdom. He wants to change what you say. He wants to change how you think. He wants to come and infiltrate and take dominant authority in your life. You know one thing about a kingdom that you must get this. Someone shout, get this. The, the kingdom of God never comes to accommodate culture. The kingdom of God comes to completely take over and infiltrate culture and lives. If you find your life blending in with the culture of this world, you're not kingdom material. But if you find your life whether in school, whether with your family, whether with your friends, whether at the baseball. I was at baseball yesterday with, with people in, in our community. When you find the people, when you find the place, when you find the dough that God has placed you in, and it starts becoming like you, the culture starts to resemble you. The language starts to sound like you. The territory starts to start blending like you. My God, you are kingdom material. You are kingdom kids. And you are heirs of righteousness of God. You are true believers of him. God said, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're living in a day where so many people think they're sons and daughters and they're illegitimate child. Illegitimate kids. How can you say that, Mark? Because they don't have any territory. Their language hasn't changed. Their moral code hasn't been transformed. Their old culture still looks the same. God says, if you are my son and my daughter, there should be some type, some, some sign of where I am taking over your life. I was just talking to a young teenager kid um, here um, about three weeks ago. 
They said, well, what are you going to do during spring break? I was like, man, man I'll probably try to catch a movie with my kids, man. And he had this troubled look on his face. He's like, I was like, what's up? You know, one of my friends asked me to go see this movie. I can't even remember the name, but supposedly it was like a bad movie or something. I was like, what happened, man? What'd you say? He goes, I told him I couldn't. And then I was like, why did you tell him you couldn't? And then you know what he responded to me? Responded to me with? That's not how I am anymore. I see kingdom culture. I see kingdom culture. I see kingdom culture. When PJ, when you gave your testimony up here that one Sunday, and you responded to people a different way, that shows me that's kingdom culture. You might not be where you want to be, but when you're nowhere where you used to be, stay in it because you will become a product of your environment if you stay there long enough. Even though Rome would go into a city, they didn't get established as Roman citizens when they would go into Scotland, when they would go into France, when they would go into Spain. They didn't become citizens right off the bat. It took time. It takes time to be a son. It takes time to learn what it means to be. It takes time to be transformed through the renewing of your mind. But here's the word of God. When you've done all you've known to do, stand. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't separate yourself. Watch the salvation of the Lord. Establish his kingdom here on earth. The enemy's plan. The enemy's plan is this. Oh my gosh, I wish I gave I wish I gave him that scripture. I didn't. The Bible says. In fact, let's go to it. Um, Matthew 33. Matthew 33. I gotta give you the scripture. Oh my goodness. Oh Jesus. Matthew 13, I'm sorry. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Go to verse 1 and just bring it all the way. Give me every scripture from Matthew 13. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood out on the shore, then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out and sowed his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the shallow was, what? It sprang up quickly, why? The, the soil was what? But when the sound came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Why do you speak to them in stories? Why don't you just speak to them plainly like you do us? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing like you hear right now, you don't really hear. More importantly, you don't even understand. 
verse 14. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. I will be ever hearing but never understanding. Sounds like the church today. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have their, their eyes closed. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are you, your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I truly tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. But they did not see it. And to hear what you hear, they did not hear it. Listen. Then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, what message? The kingdom of grace? The kingdom of the cross? The kingdom of the blood? What does it say? And does not understand it. Who comes? You know what the Holy Spirit showed me in this scripture? Understand grace by itself all alone. Understand faith by itself all alone. Understand the Holy Spirit. He says, but when you start understanding the kingdom, a demon isn't attached to you no more. You know who gets assigned to your life personally? The evil one. That is how powerful understanding the kingdom of God is. Then when you start pursuing the kingdom of God, the devil says, demons, no. I go myself. Because if they understand the kingdom of God, they'll get everything that God has promised in their life. I will go myself to destroy them. I will go myself and hover over them. I will go myself and I'll put myself as the head of all the demonic dark forces over them. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sowed along the path. The devil's main desire is to steal away understanding of the kingdom of God. Learn about all these other attributes, and they're good, and they're needed. But apart from the kingdom, they are useless. And God said, I've come to establish my rightful rule, my rightful reign. If you want to live in a community, go ahead. Keep doing what you're doing. If you want to live in a democracy, go ahead. Do what you're doing. But you'll never ex experience the kingdom of heaven in your life today. Because there's only one way to establish the kingdom of God in your life. I give you all my territory. I give you my language. I give you my moral code. I give you my sense of accountability. I give you my discernment. I give you my opinions. I no longer have a say in anything. You have say in everything. I no longer have power in anything. You have power in anything. I no longer have a hand in anything. God, you have a hand in everything. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know how it is in heaven? Everyone's worshiping him. You know how it is in heaven? Everyone's giving him glory. You know how it is in heaven? Everybody's worshiping the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You know what's going on in heaven? The angels are crying, holy, 
holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Your kingdom. Come on earth as it is in heaven. Would you please stand in this place? I wonder how many of you this morning have the kingdom of God established in your heart. What are you saying, Pastor Mark? I'm not saying that you are living in a democratic rule. I'm not saying that you live in a community of Christian folk. Yeast is useless with other yeast. Yeast has no power with other yeast. You're called to be yeast that when you leave this place, you will have impact. You were called yeast that when you leave and go back to your workplace, there is change. You are called yeast, no matter how small or little you are, that when you go back to school, it will totally change. It will infiltrate forever. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, you will say, you know what, Pastor Mark? I've been living in a democratic ruling reign in my life. I've been debating God. I've been reasoning with God. I've been arguing with God. This is how I want it. This is how it should be. Why is this happening? Why did you let that? No, God, you are king of kings and Lord of lords. I need something more. Feel the atmosphere in this place. I want you to be Lord over my marriage. My opinion don't count no more. I want you to be Lord over my family. My opinion has no power no more. Whatever you want me to do, God, I will do it. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Whatever you want me to do, I will do, God. Whatever you want me to say, I will say it. And I don't care how they're going to think of me. I don't care how they're going to view me. I'm just going to obey because you are king and you are Lord and you rule my entire life. This isn't no more democratic debate anymore. This isn't some community function anymore, God. No, this is your kingdom in my heart. This is your kingdom in my life. This is your kingdom on this earth. And you would say, God is not king over my life. God is not king over my language. God's not king over my entire territory. God's not king over my moral code. God's not king over my culture. And you would say, I want to make God, I want to make Jesus, I want the Holy Spirit to be king of kings and Lord of lords this morning. I want him to be my savior. I want him to be my king. And I want him to be my Lord. And you would say, that's not me this morning. But I want to know that I know that I know that I am a king's son, that I am a king's daughter, that I am a king's kid. Will you just slip your hand all across this morning? This, this, Slip your hand out across the room this morning. I want to be a king's son. I want to be a king's daughter. Thank you for that hand. 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 Oh my God, thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Oh my God, thank you for that hand. Church! The kingdom of God is being established this morning. The Bible says all of heaven is rejoicing over one soul saved in a thousand righteous works. I don't even know how many hands were just raised this morning. Eight, eight hands were raised this morning. Eight people have crossed over from death to life. Eight people. Hold on, hold on. We've had so many miracles happen in this church. So many. 
couple weeks ago, we saw a Buddhist call upon the name of the Lord and heal her husband. We've seen people heal from scars. We've seen people heal from all sorts of crazy things. We've seen people healed off medication to control their mind. We've seen so many miracles, but heaven says this. There is one great miracle. When people cross over from death to life, from darkness into his marvelous life, and eight people have received the greatest miracle in this house, the greatest miracle that could ever happen in this world. What kind of praise are we going to give our God this morning for what has happened today? What's next? What's next? One of the greatest things that's going to take place next week is baptism. Now, baptism doesn't give you some supernatural power. Baptism doesn't get you closer to God. The way I exemplify baptism, God gave it to me as I was talking. I think it was you or one of the the people in the cadre. Baptism is like a marriage ceremony. You want to publicly display to the whole world, I'm in love with Jesus. And there is no one on earth I want to commit my life to than him and him alone. He is the husbandman, his word says, and I am his bride. And I am exclusively involved with him and only him. Why? Because he's my king. Because he is my Lord. Because I serve his kingdom and his kingdom alone. And I am going to tell the world that he has ultimate rule and reign in my life. And so here's what, here's what I would love for you to do. If you've given your life to the Lord, or if you've given your life to the Lord in the last however long, but you haven't recommitted, you haven't renewed your vows. Hello. How many married people out there? Get, make some noise. I was just asked by a couple if I would, if I would renew their vows. I was like, I'll be honored to. You know what renewing your vows means? I just want to declare again how much I love him or her. I want him or her to remember the day when I said yes. I want them to remember the day where I committed to the world. You are you and you alone are mine, no one else. And you would say, I want to declare that. We want you, if you gave your life this morning, if you gave your life last week, if you've given your life however long, but you haven't given a public ceremony, we want to celebrate with you next week here at College Park Church right after service as far as the goodness and greatness of our God. Amen? I said amen? Can we give God praise for the eight people?